major love and shout out to both Real Water Sports and NVS Fins this, not this morning, this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, you know, we all love surfboards and gear and Real Water Sports and NVS Fins. They cover both of those uh, categories in spades. Yeah, NVS um, Fin Sponsor, you can get them at surfnvs.com. But the reason we mention them with Real Water Sports in conjunction is that Real Water Sports happens to carry NVS. So they carry a lot of the best product and NVS, of course, fits that criteria. Um, so grab them at either place. But Real Water Sports, of course, has tons of gear beyond fins. Uh, surfboards is what we talk about often, but board bags, traction, things outside of surfing too. Kite, they're in the kite uh, biz. They're in SUP biz. They've got everything. Sweet. Yeah. Realwatersports.com slash. No slash needed. Just realwatersports.com. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit. 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 We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. Um, as I was saying, it's it's five in the afternoon, and um, you know I'm a little slow this time in the evening. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not quite like mornings. I'm really at my peak, which is sad because if you've heard the show at all, and you're saying to yourself, "Wow, that's Scott <laughs> at his peak," I'd hate to hear what Scott's like not at his peak. And you're about to find out. You know what? I disagree. I find that you start off with um, lower energy, but throughout the show, you get more and more animated, more and more hyped. I think it's just talking about surfing that really gets your juices flowing. And by the end of the show, often you're frothing. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll see how it plays out here. But when's your bedtime? It's five o'clock now. How close are we getting? <laughs> very, very close. <laughs> Not only that, I, you know, the blue light special, you know, like the, the 4.30 dinner, you know, it's right in that time frame where I'm normally, you know, at Coco's having a cup of coffee and some coconut cream pie. Well, I owe you a thank you um, this morning at six o'clock. We were supposed to record at seven. I texted Scott at six o'clock asking to postpone because um, Lauren's sick. The baby's got a little bit of a cough and a runny nose. So everything got thrown off this morning. So here we are at five. Um Speaking of food, diet, intake, I've been dying to ask you, ever since you told me that eating two Haagen-Dazs ice creams the other day at lunch, yeah, are they the mini Haagen-Dazs or the full size? They're Haagen-Dazs bars, so they're right. ice cream bars. They're, they're full size. They're not the mini. Okay. They're full size, yeah. Because they sell the, I think it's a three-pack or a four-pack of the full size, but you can get the minis. It's an eight-pack of minis. And oh. if you put down two of those, I understand that. But if you're putting down two of the full size at lunch, that's oh, yeah. that's a yeah. hero's effort. That's a, that's either a problem or, um, you know, it deserves some sort of accolade. But let me back up a little bit because we get the 25 pack at oh, Costco. Dang. So you don't even notice a missing. You can put no. Yeah. To put down two or three in a day is like it's not even a dent. 
is do you get the toffee, the chocolate, or I'm sorry, the coffee flavored ice cream with the toffee in the chocolate? No, but I'm not. Uh, That's our favorite. That. I will do that in a heartbeat. That's the yeah. one, man. That is a good one. That is a good one. Well, um, anyways, we're here at five o'clock. I'll lead the show. If you want to just snooze, take a nap, something like that, <laughs> just, just chime in every once in a while. I'll well, shout I don't know if you can see, but I've got, you know, I've got the friggin' skin cancer cream on my face. It's, I'm looking a little beat up around the edges. I didn't want to call you out. I thought you were trying to conceal it with the hat, but so you put mean, the, what yeah. does the cream do? So the cream is supposed to kill all skin cancer cells. And my dermatologist said, look, you put this cream on every day for a month, 30 days straight. And it basically just, it's a peel, basically, is the vibe I'm getting from it. So my skin's kind of raw, you know? And I have some um, aquaphor in the refrigerator that I put on the face to kind of cool it down. And um, yeah. So rather than cutting something out? Right. Okay. Yeah. I went there to get caught and they're like, look, but didn't I tell the story already? We had it off air, I think. Yeah. Anyway, they said, look, we can cut on you, but if I was you, I would just use this stuff. I'm like, all right. And so I'm using the cream. And apparently a lot of people in my sphere have used this stuff before because everyone I run into is like, oh, you're using the Effudex or whatever it's called. I'm like, yeah, I am. Well, are you um, allowed to go surfing while you're oh, using God. it? Absolutely. I got the sickest waves. The, the waves this morning here were yesterday morning too. two mornings in a row. It's been kind of bombing and good and no one around because it's big. Really? I mean, for here, you know, it's like five to six feet, but it's been beach break, you know, powerful beach break peaks. I surfed by myself this morning for two hours. I got the sickest barrel, probably the best barrel I've gotten in a long, long time. I can't even really remember. The, and I got spit out and it, hmm. it was thumping this morning and yesterday talk us through every moment of that <laughs> well, how did the wave approach what were you riding what did you do super peaky here right so there's all these peaks and i was at this beach break and i was by myself it was early in the morning it's probably 7 30 no one around and um, i got pounded paddling paddling out you know like yesterday and this morning i was in fear of the walk of shame you know like not being able to get out those, that was a real possibility, especially for me, because I'm 57. I'm not in you know super great shape like I was when I was 37. But, um, but I got out both times. But this morning, it was just these incredible peaks and just offshore and plenty of like windswell power, you know. And, um, and I saw I kept seeing these ones just up and I could never seem to get to the right spot. And it was so peaky, you had to be kind of behind it, you know. And I just happened to luck into one. And. And when I took off, I had to kind of go through a little chandelier at first, you know, and I, but I knew it was opening up and breathing and I got into it and it was just, and I was behind it. You know, I could, it kind of reminded me of Kelly's surf ranch where you're so deep in it. You can see the, the lip way out in front of you. You know, it was one of those. In fact, this is probably the best barrel I've had since Kelly Slater's As far, I mean, I've gotten plenty of little head dips, but to be behind the thing and to have it open up and spit, you know, it was kind of, the funny thing was there's was no one around. I did a full friggin' like Brazilian claim, you know? Like, really? Yeah, I was like fucking, I was like shooting guns and shooting in the air and pounding on my chest and <laughs> dropping my hands. 
I employed all the possible <laughs> ego-driven claims that are out there. So I'm expecting to see the surf surfline rewind footage this evening on Instagram. Uh, now this is at a spot where there's no surf line. Um, no so surf what were you line. riding? I rode a board I hadn't ridden in a long time. I rode a, my 6'6 Rawson, Pat Rawson Impala, which is this cool little round tail, round pin, 6'6, um, six, six, narrower than I normally ride, probably 19 and three quarters, which I swore I'd never ride a board narrower than 20, but I've had this board for like four years. So back then I was still getting them. And, and it, was, it, was, it was money. I mean, it was such a good board for today. And, uh, and still was, duck divable too. Exactly. You totally nailed it. You know, that's, yeah. that's the key. And yesterday, and I have been riding this board that Todd McFarlane made me, the Sunset Surfboards, which has a ton of concave, really deep concave throughout the tail, a tri-fin that's 6'2", um, just a contemporary shortboard. And man, I, you know, you get a few like really good top turns with, you know, on a good wave with a good board and you're like i want to get my ct on I, you know like I know. you get i get caught up in riding these like mid lengths and these fishes and shit and i end up just doing these kind of like fat ass roundhouse cutbacks but when you can like go into a section sort of vertical because for me i think i'm going at 12 but i'm really going at nine but but doing full turns and and then as you know when you get that right moment that full turn turns into more speed and, mm-hmm. you know, I maybe do that, you know, once every three months. And I've had a couple of sessions lately where it's just been bang, bang. And I'm like, oh, I love this sport. I forgot what it was like to do that. Well, when you do it, it makes you want to get on a diet and an exercise program so that you can do it more frequently. And my yeah. experience is that that motivation wanes within about 24 hours. <laughs> I get home and I'm just like, uh, you know, it'd be better than doing pushups is sitting on the sofa. Yeah sourdough yeah <laughs> but you can still get the tube ask i mean that's kelly slater's program right now in life is just go show up at pipe masters when it's barreling and all you got to do is go straight well speaking of going straight the uh, wsl longboard world tour sent out a press release i'm sure you saw it basically saying hey we're back we're big we're proud we're waving the longboard world tour flag we have three events one of them's at Manly in Australia. One of them's at Huntington Beach Pier. And the final event's at Malibu. And that event is worth twice the points. And they'll be uh, crowning a world champion at Malibu. And the winner will be whoever has the most points of those three events tallied up will be your world champion. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, Malibu's twice the points and twice the prize money. Um, this story comes hot off the heels of the story we've been been tracking the last two weeks, which is Joel Tudor, um, calling to task the WSL. And he initially started his entire rant, uh, around the news that the WSL was cutting the tour back to one event. And so if you look at it in this context, this indicates that Joel's rants have actually influenced the WSL and they might've been listening to the feedback without, they might've been willing to listen to his feedback without all of the side conversations that took place and the running off into the ditch that took place. 
Um, but at any rate, however we got here, we're here. And I feel like that also took part of Joel's feedback because I believe that the manly event is part of the, um, Sydney Q- surf pro. Right. Yeah. The QS event uh-huh. and the Huntington event is part of the U S open. So Joel's suggestion was to actually do it as piggybacking them on CT events. So you don't have to send us to our own events. Just include us on down days at J Bay lowers, you know, wherever else bells, maybe. So the WSL is incorporating that idea, but doing it at QS events. So my question to you is, do you believe that this change is because of Joel or was this already occurring unbeknownst to Joel, who certainly probably, although I'm sure he's privy to some of the stuff that Devin's got going on because they're pretty tight. Um, That's my question. Is this, this, is this Joel, is this some victory for Joel or is this just happenstance was going to happen anyway? This is 100% a victory for Joel and it was not going to happen anyway. My sources indicate that specifically Jesse Miley Dyer is not interested in the longboard tour, doesn't see a lot of value in it. And so she's ready to do away with the entire thing. And, um, I don't know what Eric Logan's stance is, but had this not been made so public in such a kind of outcry gotten behind Joel, this would not have happened. It was that rumor that Joel heard that it was going to get reduced to one event was totally true. That was scheduled to happen. And now they have three events because he he took it public. These three events, I, you know, you know how I feel about, Longboard locations, their validity as legitimate longboard waves, their ability to put the longboard surfers in the best possible situation so that they can shine. I don't know much about Manly, but it's it's never been a spot where you're like, yeah, I'm going to Australia. Oh, really? Make sure you go surf Manly. Yeah, (laughs) That's never come out of anyone's mouth ever. It's like Huntington, basically. I know it's, and like Huntington, I know there's a ton of history in Manly, especially longboard history, Midget Farley. But I'm not too pleased with Manly or Huntington Beach as longboard world tour spots. I'm sorry. To me, that's a fail. And uh, that's just, that's just as a fan, I, I have no interest in watching, you know, guys in shortboard waves riding longboards. Well, it's not even a good shortboard wave either. Um, the This is what we constant, constantly see happening with the WSL is that a real lack of vision at the very top means they end up trying to please everybody a little bit. And consequently, nobody gets what they want. Yeah. And so this is kind of par for the course. Um, this isn't what Joel was asking for, but Joel's going to say thank you because they negotiated a little bit. And the WSL isn't getting what they're asking for, but they feel like they can accom- they've can they accommodated their current world champ and all of his uh, DOJs, devotees of Joel. Um, disciples of Joel. Disciples, that's right. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, that I guess we should have anticipated. I think what really happened here and the big winner, by the way, is Vans. Yeah. So Vans... I think was the moderator and the mediator in this argument and discussion. They saw what was happening. 
They, by the way, have already supported Joel Tudor's duct tape invitational that's taken place at the U.S. Open, which is now being rebranded for this WSL event. This is essentially what was the uh, duct tape invitational before. This is going to be one of the three stops. So they've already got that experience and done that. Joel is their team rider. And they saw the kerfuffle happening and they just thought, wait a second, let's step in here. If the WSL's real kind of hiccup or stop point friction is funding these events, why don't we come in? We already are funding this one. All that we have to do is take these other two, roll them all up. They get obviously the marketing and the branding and all that sort of stuff out of it. They get to keep their kind of key uh, team rider in the spotlight and the limelight. And they're probably getting a deal from the well, WSL. For sure. It feels like what Rip Curl did. I, it? And so I mentioned that last year with Rip Curl. I go, the real winner of 2020, uh, geez, was that? Yeah, 2021 now, is Rip Curl for coming through. Nobody's sponsoring events anymore. So they probably got that package for pennies on the dollar. They yep. threw in finals day on top of it. I feel like they sponsored five events last year. Maybe it was four. They yeah. probably got it. Yeah. For a smoke and bargain. Yeah. And what's interesting is that this is exactly where the WSL pivoted away from when they took over the ASP. When the ASP, as we discussed last week, every event was funded by a sponsor. They covered all the expense. And as Part of that. An, an endemic sponsor. Yeah, exactly. Right. And part of that, the sponsor would get the licensing rights and all that. So when the WSL took that licensing right part away, all the brands backed away. So we had five years or so where the brands were no longer, for the most part, involved in these major events. Everything's come back full circle now to where the brands are involved, but I feel like the brands are paying, I don't know the numbers. I just presume because of yeah. the circumstance, they're paying way less than the $3 million that they used to pay. They're yeah. probably not getting the licensing out of it, but that's okay because they're paying much, much less. But I'm just thrilled that Rip Curl is involved. I'm thrilled that Vans is involved. I think this is a tremendously smart move for Vans. Yeah. There's yeah. no downside in it. Yeah. Um, and it works for the WSL too. Oh, for sure. It's great. It's great for the WSL culturally as much as fiscally. I mean, to have salt in the building in the, in the, in the, you know, when you've got Rip Curl's guys and Vans, guys calling WSL and going, Hey, look, you know, what? good idea, but let's do this instead. I think this will be better. And they acquiesce, they're making this the right play. And it's the reason that I mentioned last week, the reason that we saw the Pioneers of Pipeline series during the Billabong Pipe Masters or yeah. Pipeline Pro. And I wonder, and of course, all of our disc discourse here is just assumption. We rarely have sources for this show. But part of me, because in the very beginning, it was Paul Speaker, who's just like this big bombastic, you know, wannabe, I was with the NFL, blah, 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 New York City suit guy with the WSL. And he was basically like, nope, all the brands are out. We're going to take control of everything. And I wonder if it's come back to uh, Dirk, Dirk just going, hey, Eric, is there a way we can include the brands and get some of the monies, you know, get some of the costs taken care of? And I'm sure that Eric's like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's get Rip Curl. Let's get, you know, we're open to that again because it's going to help the spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it turns out if you're 
losing money for years on end, you start to reconsider relationships that you maybe didn't have the proper gratitude for at the time, you know? Yeah, it feels um, like their demographic is sort of like, you know, years ago, they're like, we're going to have the, a massive increase in viewership and blah, blah, blah. And now I think that it's kind of like the dust has settled. It's kind of like, this is what we got. This is yeah. what we're going to work with. This totally. is who loves us. This is our, and oh, by the way, guess what? It's the frigging core surfers. It's interesting. I think in that five years, a lot of we just understand the modern landscape better. I mean, it's still changing, but everybody had pie in the sky dreams of um, these giant network deals or whatever. And Netflix has identified and saw them other streaming services that you don't need, you know, 20 million viewers. They can have a niche show that has 1 million viewers and the but and then build the budget properly for the production of that show and just continually have six or seven seasons of that show. Have you don't been need to be watching the Great British Bake Off. I love that show. <laughs> it's not a secret. It's the best show. I love that show. It's That's, so this is the model good. that you're talking about. This is the model. The Great British this is, Bake Off. I mean, I remember talking about this. Um I mean, years and years ago, I heard somebody else talking about it. Maybe I brought it up on the podcast. It's a dated example now, yeah. but HBO had a show called Girls 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was like, Love Boat used to do 20 million viewers because there was three or four networks or whatever it was. Girls became this cultural beacon and this influenced everybody and it never had more than a million viewers, you know, in its heyday, it had a million viewers. And so previous TV executives of past generations would have laughed and scoffed at that. But it turns out that that was how you defined success in that moment, in that model. And I don't think even think it's a million now, probably to define success for a lot of things. You can run a really good and maybe even more profitable business with a smaller audience that's very active and focused and all that sort of thing. So the WSL was chasing something that was unattainable. It took them a few years to figure out that it was unattainable. Now they're maybe be, being more practical in what their audience size looks like, but I don't think that they've still found the right business model. Even with the Vans sponsorship and the Rip Curl sponsorship, they still probably haven't found the profitable model. I think this is the most, maybe for this specific discussion, if the Longboard World Tour was gone, would you give a shit? No. Would you still watch the Pipeline yeah. Masters? Because I think this discussion has happened. I, in some ways, Jesse Myler, Miley Dyer might be right. And I'm not saying that she has this exact viewpoint, but let's cut all of the shit and focus on the good. Let's focus on girls and start instead of trying to make girls the show, you know, yeah. 20 million viewers, let's just keep it where it's at. And, and in some ways, and this just kind of popped into my head, I don't really give a shit about the world longboard tour. No, but you know what I mean? Like I'm going to watch. The so pipe yes and yes. I'm going to watch bells next week, no matter what. And if we focus on this, this is going to help us make Bells better. It's going to help us make the CT better. Let's just do the CT. We're going to crown world champion, high performance, the best in the world shortboarders. 
hundred percent. It doesn't mean Vans can't do. Joel can still do his thing. He did it in the past. It worked great. Hundred percent. Fully agree. That would be my strategy if I was in their position. Is let's just focus on high performance longboarding. Put them in waves of consequence. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. High performance shortboarding. Put them in waves of consequence, and that's it. WSL has decided that they want to be in all markets. Yeah, and so. But to answer your question, would I care if that tour went away? No, I wouldn't. But if Vans runs the Duct Tape Invitational at Huntington during the U.S. Open, would I watch that? Yes, I would also watch that. To me, I don't care if it's hosted by hold the on, WSL hold on, or hold not. On, hold, hold on, hold on. First of all, the U.S. Open at Huntington Beach, you're not even watching that. You know you're not. It's shitty. It's, if it's good, it's six-foot closeout crap with challenger-level guys. I mean, are you really watching that? I've watched it every year for like 20 years just because it's my local spot. And but I watch it less and less than I used to for sure. I used and to now watch you're every single year. You're gonna watch the longboard division? I totally turn that on. Whenever it's on, if I'm at work and that's on, I will absolutely turn this it on. Is and watch it. This 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 concept of if I'm at work and there's nothing else going on while I'm packaging shit, I, I'm gonna watch it. That's different than is it must watch TV. Agreed. It's not must-watch TV, but if they ran it in good waves, then it it would compel me to watch. Right. And yeah. let me be clear. I'm not. Again, in case anyone gets all uppity, I will watch longboard competition, the world's best longboarders at Malibu, at Noosa, at really good longboard waves. And if it's packaged with vans and the duct tape, all the more power to them. But yeah. I'm just saying, from this WSL's point of view, and I'll I won't state it again. I think you get it. Yeah, I do. I get it. Listeners get it. I think listeners probably all feel the same way. And Joel, I I mean, by the way, what Joel's indefinitely suspended, right? With, with no lifting of the suspension in sight. Yeah. <laughs> so there's kind of that's actually the only interesting thing about the Malibu. Like the first two events, I don't care about, and then the Malibu event is like, is Joel gonna? Joel's going to be there on the beach giving stink eye or something. I mean, that's in the summer. He's there all the time. That's where they'd Joel be, goes. They'd be foolish to the WSL would be foolish to not include him in the Malibu Malibu event. This is it. I agree with you. So there's definitely a rift, I think, right. You have some insight into this with your sources there, but there's gotta be some tension between Jesse and Joel. And so much like, Chris Rock and Will Smith, like, how does that tension get relieved? Like, who makes the call and goes, hey, because, you know, we all know Joel enough to know he's pretty stubborn. I don't see Joel deciding to apologize. Well, my my personal opinion on that is the management at the WSL needs to tell Jesse, this is, we, we are a corporate. Know. We better back we're, off. We're, we don't know what's going on. Do you know for a fact what's going on? No, but I'm saying if if it is true what we've set up, the WSL ought to tell Jesse we are a corporation. We do not take things personally. What's right for the corporation is for Joel Tudor to be at that event, and so he's going to be at that event. That is the right thing to move the ball forward, to get the most eyeballs on this event and all of this. If you have a personal, uh, whatever rift, that's aside from what is best for the business. We're putting the business first. 
Yeah. I mean, look, we all want to see Joel at Malibu, but it'll be unfortunate if he's not defending his world title. Like if, yeah. if they don't, if they set it up so he only gets to surf Malibu, even if he wins Malibu, he's probably not going to be able to defend his title because of the suspension at Manly and Huntington Beach. So I mean, again, there's there's kind of a weird thing there, right? You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, that's not a great storyline for the WSL. Yeah, exactly. And, but they they shoot their own storylines in the feet all the time, so it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Um, moving on, you mentioned bells that's starting next week. There's a couple of updates to the bells yeah. event as well. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel Medina, who we oh talked about rumor maybe he would be joining because he's got that new quiver he was included on the fantasy site for for uh, the wsl's fantasy thing nope he's out he's officially withdrawn uh, since last week he will be replaced by baron mamiya which is like kind of incredible that baron wasn't already included in this event um but we're thrilled to see baron back I was just going to look up the rankings as to where Baron sits right second now. Second place. I, he was okay. Second, second place. place. No. Yeah. Second tied with Kelly. Tied with Kelly Slater. And luckily he got a wild card. Thankfully last year's world champ withdrew so that Baron could compete. Uh, and by the way, this also, we can just welcome Baron onto the 2023 world tour at this point, because right. just by competing in this event, it should give him enough points to go ahead and get past that cut line, uh, which will take place, of course, after Margaret River. So, and then the other um, replacements are Yago Doris sitting out with injury again. So he'll be replaced by Matt McGillivray from South Africa. Carlos Munoz and Liam O'Brien are both out with injuries. So they'll be replaced by Kaioa Belly, who has earned his spot there, and Mikey Wright, former CT competitor. And then one Mick Fanning will be the wild card, the sponsor wild card for the event. Yeah, we spoke a little about Mick last week. I don't think either of us were too excited. If you had to choose one wild card between Mikey Wright and Mick Fanning, who would you choose? Mick. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm still, I'm kind of torn, like, why, why doesn't McFanning excite me? We've seen him surf 800 heats. We've already seen him surf 800 heats. White lightning. And we know exactly the way that he's going to surf, and he's going to surf not as good as he used to surf when he was in his prime. So it'll be a lesser degree of what we already know and expect from Mick. Um, look, if Bells was pumping, Mick has a shot. I mean, he yeah. can the way that he serves, he has a shot to win this thing. And certainly to make heats, the fork or this season at Bells has been atrocious. And unless the forecast drastically changes, the odds are they're going to be running in small, crappy surf, at which oh. point Mick is nullified. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, that's quite a ways out. That's 10 days out, 11 days out. That's too far out to determine what the swell is going to be like, but you're of the opinion it's going to be shitty. Well, everybody who lives there, has been saying it's been atrocious. Right. All season. Well, here's what's funny about Bells, and we talk about this each year. There's really no spot on tour that the last 
section of the wave is like the most important part. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like we expect you to do three turns, bounce through the inside section, and then get this massive high tide banger that you got to do something and land it. And and the, the guys that make that exciting, I mean, they do aerials there. Like Kelly Slater did a 360 there. You know, like there's guys that do exciting shit on that end section and Mick Fanning isn't one of them. Yeah, he's going to bang it up vertically and do a really powerful turn into it and maybe even get the fins out for sure. But he's not going to do something where you go, okay, that's like Felipe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it's big, John John Florence – you know, doing his crazy turn into the lip that he did two or three years ago. I remember Felipe going huge into that section when it was really big. That's all exciting. But yeah, if it's small, you got to go to the air and mix. Look, Mick, I don't know. It's a waste of a wild card as far as I'm concerned. Um, with all due respect to Mick. Yeah, I, who's, know, that's, so who's, that's, I think that's why I struggle with it. Because I'm like, look, the guy's the four-time world champion. You know, and and frankly, like, if you were three. there on the three times, but he's won the belt four times. If oh, you, right. If you if you're there on the beach, and that whole rip curl vibe is around you, and you're in the parking lot, and you're like, yeah, Mick, for sure, what? You know, like I could see myself going, yeah, that makes tons of sense. But back here in California, I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess it's kind of like, um, it feels like they're throwing him a bone. It, well, as opposed to, yeah, he could win. They probably looked at who's on their roster of young, exciting surfers that they could put in that spot. Sammy Pupo's already on tour. Um, Morgan Siblick's already on tour. So who who would be the other one? Matt McGillivray already got his spot. So who would be their guy? Maybe they don't Mason. have a guy. Is it Mason, Mason would be good. Yeah, Mason would be great. That's a great pick. I would much rather see Mason Hall. I would much rather see him too. And it'd be better for the internet. It'd be better for the view for the most capturing most views. So Then my question is, did Mick like call up Neil Ridgeway or whoever it is there and go, Hey man, I'm prompt surfing pretty good. I'm ready to go. Blah, blah, blah. Or did Neil call Mick or was there like some back and forth between, is it Mick or is it Mason? Cause you know that that conversation occurred. I don't know, but I did hear that Neil Ridgeway was unceremoniously let go by the current CEO. Oh, the woman. Yeah. Right. She, she, she snipped those things. That's too bad. I think I, I like think Kath, I think Kathmandu made the decision, but they got her to actually call him in and right. give him the news, which is a bummer. But, but he doesn't he doesn't even work there anymore, or did he just get moved to a different position? I, that I don't know. That I don't know. Um, but so who's your survival pick for Bells? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Could it be Mick Fanning? No, it could not. Don't try to direct people to lose. I'm just saying that guy could get through. You just spent 20 minutes explaining why you're not into I'm Mick. saying he can't win. I mean, he's not going to win the thing. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, you know, okay, so you're saying it's going to be small. Yeah. It's going to be crappy. And this, I think more than any other spot, this one's hard. This one's hard. I think this one's difficult. I'm going with Griffin Colapinto. I kind of like that one. I kind of like Felipe here. Yeah, Felipe too. Griff, I just coming off of his win. I kind of feel looks, that way. He looks so good to me. And uh, you know who I would not, pick? Hmm. Baron Mamiya. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I'll tell you why. A couple things. The obvious one is that, you know, he's from Hawaii and I'm sure he surfed bells a bunch of times, but I don't think he has a bunch of bells competition experience under his belt. Yeah. But more importantly, he was just told, dude, you're good. You're good for 23. You're already made the cut. Talk about kind of like a time for like a little bit of a letdown, a little bit of a couple too many pints of two is new or whatever, you know, I'm just thinking Baron would be the guy that I feel like he's too comfortable right now. He's not yeah. hungry. Yeah. I feel good about Griff. And the other thing is you can only pick a surfer in survival league uh, for one event throughout the season. And I'm not going to use Griff at J Bay or G land. Not going to use him in Rio. I could, but there's other picks for Rio. Not going to use him in Tahiti. Really not going to use him at J Bay. Maybe I'd pick him for El Salve, but I've got other picks for El Salve too. So, you know who's a good pick here too? I think is Kelly. Kelly's going to get mm. through. Kelly's done does great. Like, yeah, I mean, Kelly's probably how many heats has he been in Bell? He's been more. I mean, obviously more than anyone, but I mean that guy's surfed Bell's a bunch with a jersey on. I don't trust him. one there. I don't trust that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, when you look Um, at the list, I mean, you're like, okay, well, Sammy Pupo or Kelly Slater. Well, those aren't my only two options. I'm just saying, like, um, so you're not going to reveal your pick, obviously. I really don't know my pick right now. I've been trying to, I've been toying with, I've been trying to figure it out. Okay, you got ten days. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I got a couple of updates that you might be interested in. Yeah. I watched, uh, so I talked to a guy named Greg Jacobs, who's in the production and distribution side for a company called Campsite. Uh, media house they come from all they're all basically from red bull but um they have the sunny garcia documentary death and taxes they have they're responsible for the mavericks the rebranded mavericks invitational so those two things are happening and i can give you some more information on them yeah that's that's some good stuff 
So the, the, first of all, the Sonny Garcia documentary is made by Michael Oblowitz, Oblowitz, who made the never released Sea of Darkness that we've talked right. about on this show before. Right, right. The, yeah, the infamous but never released Sea of Darkness. He also made Heavy Water with Nathan Fletcher two years ago or so. Yeah. And so he's been making this Sonny Garcia film for 10 years You're or kidding. So. You're kidding. No. So he and, has and this whole thing fell into his lap. This this horrific thing as a filmmaker that fell into his lap. So I mean, I film... hate to sound selfish, but as a filmmaker, you're you're going, oh my god, this film just went really weird. It well, the the ending and who knows where the ending even is. The film's ninety percent done. So I based on Sonny's prognosis, which I don't do not know, that would dictate the film's ending. So if Sonny is in a incapacitated state for the rest of his life, then I suppose you could wrap up filming. But if he's making progress and going to see some semblance of recovery, then it would be worth leaving the film open for two years or three years or whatever that process is to then get a final interview with him, you know? But the fact that they started filming these interviews and collecting footage 10 years ago it's all told from Sonny's point of view. They've got great interviews with Sonny. So it's told from his perspective. He trusted Michael. So Michael had this kind of amazing access to Sonny. Sonny talks about being molested. He talks about tax, the tax situation. Have you seen talks the about trailer? Or... A 10 minute sizzle reel. Interviews with Buttons. Interviews with Brock Little. Interviews with Reno, Marvin wow. Foster, Andy wow. Irons, Derek wow. Ho. Wow. It's insane. This sounds really, really good. It's really good and no holds barred. Like I said, right. Sonny, honestly saying like when I was a teenager, I was sent to this thing. I was molested there. Like yeah. then, or I told my stepfather, you know, who was abusive to my mother that, that I was going to stab him in the stomach when he slept because he had you know, like these crazy, crazy, and again, Sunny in his own words, it's intense. That would that would be a cool name for the for the movie, Sunny in his own words. Well, Death and Taxes is pretty good. Yeah, it's a little cliche. Well, it's tattooed across his chest. So, well, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> a little cliche. But you know, so the conversation with Greg, you know, this again, it's ninety percent done. And where are they so, distributing it? Or is this going to be like... That's what he's trying to... That's the last part of the last 10% is to get that uh, funding to finish the film and to get all the... Uh, get Michael a little bit of money back and get the distribution plan in place. But that's what he and I had our conversation about, which was... I need money. The, <laughs> uh, well, no, the audience... No, it was a podcast, but the audience is for these types of things is fractured onto so many different platforms now. And to tell these stories properly, you need funding. I feel like this is a 30 for 30. Well, I I'm sure, is, I'm I sure he's this, presenting it to them. This story um, is, uh, it's bigger than surfing. So this story is way bigger than surfing. He's going to everybody. And HBO has 
got a great, great track record in sports and they've got to do Tony Hawk documentary coming out right now. They did the Jake Burton thing. They've got the hundred foot wave. Yeah, thing. So they have a, yeah, they, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Like they're open to a, a non-traditional sports story, but I think but, that the story is like way heavier. Agree. Fully agree. Sonny so, is an incredible character on so many levels. He's, he's so flawed, but you love him to death because because of his honesty, frankly, is why you love him so much. He's so honest, Sonny, you know? Yeah. He's always just been, you know, you know where he's coming from. Yeah. Well, the complication is to tell these stories properly, you really need money. It's expensive yeah, to yeah, do. I know, I know. And so well, hold on. for, for him, they need 10% left to finish this film. Yeah. That to me is, I mean, I'm not usually that last 10% is we need money for music. Well, but there's a bunch of money that's already been spent on the film. So you want to recoup the investment as well. So where it ends up, you can get 10% from some rinky dink distribution platform, but then never get the return on your investment. Yeah. So you want it to end up somewhere like HBO, but here's kind of the point that for the, the Greg's job really is these stories are expensive to, to tell them properly. It's expensive. And so you want it to reach its largest and broadest audience. And often it's not just on one platform. You do a theatrical release, you know, you do. I'm thinking about MJ's story, the Michael Jordan thing. It was really last dance. I think it was called. Yeah. You and I, everyone saw it. And I'm asking myself, wasn't that entire thing presented by Coca-Cola? No, it wasn't, but, but I sense that there was like one massive sponsor that's like, no matter where you move, wherever, no matter where you distribute this thing, whatever platform, this thing is brought to you by GMC or Ford, Ford, you know, I don't think that's true. I think where you saw it, it probably had a sponsor, but I saw it on Netflix and there was none of that branding on it. And so again, that's kind of Greg's job is. It lives on ESPN. We do a theatrical release, then it lives on ESPN for a limited period of time. Then it net, we have a deal with Netflix for three months down the road. So it lives there for a period of time. And the reality is you want it to, you want the entire audience who has interest in seeing this film to be able to see it because I, David Scales, doesn't have access to ESPN. I would love to see that, but I'm not going to sign up to ESPN just to see that. But I do have Netflix. So with something like the Sonny Garcia thing, we all want to see it. If it ends up on a streaming platform that you and I don't use, we're probably not going to see it. So it's a very strategic right. game of and timing of the rollout. And then film festivals factor into that and all this other stuff. There must already so, be a paradigm for this, though. This has been well, it's ever the changing. same question. Every- no, it's not. That's the exact... The problem with today's thing is every project has a very unique fit and, and there's a million different platforms and they shift every single day. And so there is no one paradigm. Well, there we is... know that theatric platform is not changing. So there, we know that's that, like you, you can put this film in a theater. We know that, right. You've got that part of the equation done. The theater's entirely changed with COVID and everything. And so now it's, you strategically work with certain theaters you know, La Paloma for something like this. And there are a handful. 
So yeah. who are that handful? How long do you stay there? That sort of thing. Once you're there, obviously you need a social media strategy and marketing strategy in that local area to make sure, you know, yeah. so it's, it's really fascinating, but that film very likely will get finished. We'll see distribution and I'm looking forward to it. The other project that they're responsible for is what's now being branded as the Mavericks Invitational. So this kind of started off as a Maverick surf contest yeah. and um, cartel management filed for bankruptcy uh, a while back. They had the rights to that event for a period of time. They were able to pull off one contest in uh, 2016. They filed for bankruptcy after that. The WSL got the rights to the event. They folded it into the Big Wave World Tour, which they then, I don't think they ever ran an event as part of the Big Wave World Tour, and they've since let it go as well. Well, turns out a young girl, she was a senior at the time at Georgetown University, but she's from Half Moon Bay. She was 20 years old. Her name's Elizabeth Cresson. She was going to all of these um, town hall meetings and all this stuff, the bankruptcy filings, and saw an opportunity to get in on it. So she actually got the license. She's partnered with Paul Toblieb and they founded something called Ma uh, Mavericks Ventures. And they are going to be running an event that features quote unquote, women in true gender equality. And what that means is equal number of competitors in the men's division and the women's division. They run on the same exact day, uh, same number of heats, same amount of prize money. And the waiting period for that begins November, 2022. Okay, well, I guess here's what we know about Maverick's surf contest. Um, there's been a couple good ones, but the whole, the whole thing's, it's never, it's always left us with sort of a bad taste in our mouth, hasn't it? I don't know, why? Well, it just seems like, the cartel guys screwed it up and other people that have gotten involved in it have screwed it up, but there have been, I mean, Quicksilver did a pretty good job with it, you know, a long time ago, like 2003 or whatever it was. I don't know. It's, I just, I just feel like, I feel like we've talked about this numerous times where we both agreed that, you know what, Mavericks is probably better off without an event. We have talked about it multiple times. I, I think that, the riddle hasn't been solved yet. There is a way to properly run the event. Um, I feel like it's usually there's infighting between the local surfers and the management that's running the event. And so if they had the congealed support that the Eddie has had in the past with the relationship with Quicksilver, then it's flawless, you know, and everybody loves it, but they haven't figured that, solved that riddle. And I don't know if Elizabeth, she's from Half Moon Bay, so that helps, but she's not a surfer. She doesn't come from the surf community. So I asked if Jeff Clark was still involved in as the contest organizer, and Greg said no. He's not, well, he's involved, but he's not the contest organizer anymore, but he's partnered with. So I don't know what that means. Um, it's, it's not solved yet. You know what I mean? We kind of have yeah. to wait and see how the event runs and does it have yeah. the support of the local community? Cause it could be a successful event. Let me ask you this. We talked about 
the WSL stripping things away and just doing what they do best and making a great event, events. We're doing what you do best, right? So my question to you is, what's the perfect Mavericks event look like? A harrowing, a harrowing swell, run on one day, and um, best surfers in the world. Best surf, no, the best Maverick surfers in the world. Maybe okay. with one Billy Kemper thrown in, guys like that. Um, but Let I think it should this. be centered around the best Maverick surfers. I just agree. like like this is the Mavericks Invitational, just like the Waimea Invitational. So they have a list of the best Mavericks guys and a couple of internationals that are thrown into the mix that you know, have proven couple, their worth. And a couple of women? Well, in this, it's equal, equal. No, no, I asked you, what's the perfect Mavericks? Oh, oh, yeah, Mavericks, there's women chargers out there who have earned their spot into the event. I don't know if there's, so they're if there's equal numbers. They're co-mingled. Men and women surf together because we have the in, best surfers in the world. Yes, it should be. In my mind, that would be the, that would be true equality. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, but if they're if they're trying to come up with 20, look, it's gonna we're gonna do equal numbers, 20 men, 20 women. I don't know that there's 20 women that fully, fully uh qualify based on that criteria of the best Maverick surfers, you know. So that would then run into a you're just trying to fill space. And but maybe that's where you call in Paige Alms because she's proven herself at Piahi, you know. How many women are truly above average Maverick surfers? I know there's women that will go out there and charge. I mean, beyond I'm talking plenty, about, I'm talking about I, like that are going to, that are going to catch multiple waves in their heat and, you know, be capable. Vive, vive for positioning on the, the sets yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't keep tabs on it that much. Bianca Valenti is a name that jumps out at me. Um, what about, um, isn't there like There's a, a Shaughnessy? Yeah, Shaughnessy. Somebody, that's exactly what I was thinking too. I can't think so of we, her You and I are obviously ignorant as to who the women are, but I'm just concerned that, that they're crowbarring women in there. And, I'm, and, it, and maybe they're not. Maybe there's 20 really great Mavericks women surfers and I just don't have a clue, which is more often than not the case. But when I think about the perfect Mavs event, I think about like me end user, what do I want to see? I want to see the best surfers in the world. I don't care if they're men or women. If, right. there's, if there's more women, more power to them. I'd totally. rather watch women's golf. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so this like idea that, that, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe they're not crowbarring. That's my, you know, maybe I need a caveat here. Maybe they've got it all together and we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. see. Um, there's a, horrific surf tragedy story that is worth mentioning um just kind of in honor of the surfer but jamie civil in new zealand he's a 35 year old very competent surfer died while surfing just after his heat he apparently drowned what was interesting about this is he was pulled under from the reports of the people who are in the water so it's not as if he hit his head on the surfboard or something like that. He was actually pulled under and apparently drowned. And so he was rescued uh, by friends, taken to the beach, attempted to revive by with the defibrillator. I think they flew him to a hospital and he was never revived. But 
What's even more tragic about this is that his wife and young child, I think a six month old child were on the beach during this. So they were watching him in the surf comp. He finished his heat and then paddled over to catch a few waves on his own before he came in. And that's when this tragedy struck. So his wife and kid being on the beach makes it extra, extra tragic. Yeah, I read about this. It's horrible. I'm, I'm sorry to re- that we had to re- report it. I mean, it's out there. It's in the news. I saw it on Stab. It's it's a bummer. And uh, yeah, our, minutes you know, minutes before the tragedy, he had been he'd seen with the biggest smile on his dial. Uh, Lyndon Fairbain said from the South Coast Board Riders Association, and um, he was as he, that he was always happy. He was, uh, this kind of reminds you how quick the ocean can take you. And when it's someone like Jamie, who everyone respects as a big wave surfer, he's in his thirties, he's fit, healthy to be taken away. It's a big shock to everyone. Everyone's just blown away. These are conditions that he lived for. He was talented, experienced. He thrived in these conditions. So it makes the tragedy that much harder to process. Jamie's partner, Courtney, and their baby daughter were on the beach when the incident happened. Jamie loved them both dearly, and they had become a perfect part of his world, and he loved the beautiful life that they were creating and building their future together. So shout out to Jamie, and um, man, horrible. Yeah, man, that's very, very sad. And I'm, Yeah. Just don't know what to say other than thoughts and prayers, I guess. Totally. Um, do you have must-see moments? I do. I, kooks or I do have a must-see moment. Uh, my must-see moment is this Ollie Henry edit that's on Stab right now. Ollie is a uh, West Australian surfer who um, this edit, again, it's called Volume. It basically shows Ollie in these hair-raising Western Australia slabs, you know, it's, it's like major eelgrass draining, you know, 15 feet concrete pores that just get your jaw dropped. It's just, it's mind blowing. And uh, there's a few air segments in there, but again, it's the concrete pores, the flow over his head that have you just going, holy mackerel. I haven't seen it. I'll check it out. I don't even know who Ollie Henry is. Ollie Henry. I'll he, check it. He rides for Rusty. Okay, sweet. Love that. Um, my must-see moment is this video, viral video clip of Sailor Karen it, from the San Onofre parking lot. <laughs> that is all time. It is absolutely all time. And I've been directed to her Instagram page as well. And she's owning this. She is like, she's posting. Yeah. People are direct messaging her, calling her name. She's screenshotting it, posting it. She seems to be reveling in this little bit of celebrity, even though she is at the butt of the joke. I'm not sure if she knows she's at the butt of the joke. She's doubling down. She's like putting up the spinnaker going to go downwind on this this fame that she has. She is. I just don't know if she realizes that she's the butt of the joke, even though it's like, it's actually really sad. It's kind of sad. Like the amount of, I find it sad. I don't find it. Which part is sad. Just her, just like that. She would, that she would do, you know, just be that angry and be that upset and be that, you know, 
I don't know. It's just, it's kind of like the worst of humanity a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the definition of Karen, you know, this yeah. is why the title is sailor Karen. She thinks she's a sailor and she's a Karen, but that is, that is the epitome of the Karen is like entitlement and thinking that you have something that is owed to you. And so you're scre- all of your frustration and anger is coming out on this person who does not deserve whatever I or your, so we don't know. I don't know what was the impetus before the camera started running. Maybe it was a conflict over a parking spot or something, but the video starts with Karen uh, yelling at another person and telling them they need to beat it because this is her beach and do they even belong here? And they, they get said, out of here. I already told you once. Get the fuck out. Get in your car, drive the fuck away, and don't ever come back here again. Not once. Have you ever been to this beach before? Have I ever been to this beach before? Have you ever been to churches or lowers or middles? But you don't even know how to go left. But you don't even know that you can never do it. That you can never. Are you a surfer? Am I a surfer? I'm a sailor, bitch. But you couldn't sail, huh? You can't sail. You don't even know how the wind works. You're going to sail around here? And she just spills over. She's like, <laughs> do I even belong here? Have you ever been to lowers? Have you ever been to church? I don't think... Do you even know how no, to no, go no. left? I, you probably I don't she, even know how to go left. I think she says churches, which is the ultimate. Oh. Like, that's the ultimate fail. Like when you call it churches, immediately any locals, like it's called church lady. And she's claiming like she's a local and she's calling it by the wrong name, you know, but her just like absolute entitlement acting like she's an expert. Do you even go left, bro? And then. He says another he questions her credibility again. And she goes, what? Yeah, I know how that works. I'm a sailor. Do you even know how the wind works, bro? <laughs> and so that's where the title Sailor Karen comes in is because she's claiming to be a sailor. Sailors <laughs> are just the worst. Like, sailors are the her, worst. Her putting her ignorance on display with complete uh, what she feels is vindication and entitlement is just a marvel to you watch. Know what it, you know what I'm starting to realize is it kind of reminds me of the Will Smith thing where it's like, I look at it and then I, in my judgment machine turns on and I immediately like start judging the shit out of her. And then I think to myself, one, have I ever done something like that? Have I been Sailor Karen? And I bet if you looked deep enough into my past, I've probably snapped in a very ignorant way and looked like a fool. Two, let's say I didn't. Am I capable of acting like that? And sadly, the answer is probably I am. I'm probably capable of, of being that way in the wrong morning with no food in me. And who knows? You know what I mean? Like, and so I'm trying to find some compat, some empathy. I'm trying to walk in her footsteps a little bit and I'm trying to forgive. And that's the kind of how I feel about Will Smith. Like at first I'm just like, what a fucking jerk. And now I'm kind of going, you know what? It was a really, really bad look, but I'm going to forgive Will Smith for, I'm not going to forget, but and that's kind of the way I feel about Sailor Karen. Like, can I forgive this person? You know? And the answer is I better be able to forgive. Because if I can't forgive, then I'm, you know, I'm not in a good place spiritually. It's interesting. I like hearing your take on it. 
I went through none of that thought process personally. It just in that, like, I didn't necessarily, I don't need to forgive her. I didn't feel assaulted by her. I felt more assaulted by Will Smith, like us being forced to witness casual assault like that and nothing being done about it. I did feel like was um, a degradation of our society and all that sort of thing. Well, so I felt you were upset. Yeah. Right? I felt pissed at Will. Sp- yeah. Because, and also at the Academy, like, I'm like, look, the Academy, what they should have done hindsight's 2020 in the moment, yeah. it was so shocking. They didn't know what yeah. to do, but what the Academy should have done is remove wheel will from the audience to protect everybody. Look, this guy's clearly unhinged, yeah. protect everybody. And later, 20 minutes later, when he won best picture, unfortunately, he's not allowed to come accept his Oscars. Somebody else, a producer of the film has to go up and be like, Hey, um, due <laughs> to unexpected circum- <laughs> yeah, due to unexpected <laughs> circumstance that everybody witnessed here, um, Will is not allowed in the building. I'm res- accepting this on his behalf. That would have been the proper way for the situation to have been handled. But for all of us to kind of to normalize casual assault and for all of us to just see him now laughing and then give him the opportunity to come up and speak on it, which by the way, it was the ramblings of a madman. So he, he didn't do himself any favors by accepting that speech or in his acceptance speech. And he actually did a disservice to the film, to the Williams family and to all of the good mojo and juju that was surrounding all of that. He completely drove that into a ditch um, I did, but I did, I did feel sympathy in the ways that you said for him. Like, I understand that he's going through this crazy time in his life and his marriage has been in the public limelight and all this sort of stuff. I also understand Chris Rock absolutely will defend himself. Chris Rock has one of the largest microphones in the world. He's super smart. He's hilarious and make no mistake he will double and triple his income this next year by selling out every single He's, show because we all want to hear what he's going to say. Any film that he wants to make right now, any producer in Hollywood, green light automatically, don't care what it's about, we want you. You know, Netflix, willing to pay him Dave Chappelle money probably for the next uh, special that he wants to do. The world is Chris Rock's oyster. He will be fine, you know? Oh, for but, sure. Here, a couple but, of, let me give you a couple of quick updates. Yeah. You probably didn't see this. The Academy came out today and said that they tr- asked Will to leave and he wouldn't. So, so that, now they need security next year flanking the stage at an award ceremony because of this asshole. You know, right. like we should never be in the position where we now need security guards standing there. Right. And Chris Rock goes on stage tonight in Boston, his first comedy gig since the incident. Amazing. So I'm sure we're going to Cannot see wait. We're going to see some stuff from that, I bet. Because there's Cannot no way he wait. can't address it. The best meme that I've seen since then is Will holding his Oscar statue next to Jada after the fact. And it said, in order to calm Will down, they gave him a statue of his wife. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lordy. That's pretty good. Hey. <laughs> That is really good. Hey, let me ask you this. What about this? Just food for thought here. Throwing shit on the wall to see if it sticks. Chris Rock 
files a civil lawsuit against Will Smith. It's an obvious slam dunk case. The entire world saw it. He doesn't have to prove it on a criminal side, just on the civil side, which is much easier to prove. The judgment from the lawsuit, millions of dollars, probably paid by Will's insurance or whoever. And the Academy. I mean, he could yeah, sue knows. them too. That Those monies go to a shelter for battered spouses. So Chris Rock wins. We get accountability as the viewing public. Will Smith actually looks kind of good because his monies are going to this battered spouse's shelter. I like it. If that lawsuit in any way prevented Chris from speaking on the assault, then it wouldn't be worth it. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm not sure how lawsuits work. Sometimes you're not allowed yeah, yeah. to discuss. Yeah. I like the idea. Um, the funny thing is the battered spouse in that scenario is probably Will Smith. No, it's Chris Rock. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Like in Will's relationship with Jada, she freaking clearly rules the roost. And he's been, yeah. you know, he's been so, I think, um, pent up from yeah. all that he's had to endure through that, that it all bubbled over right in that moment and this has been but, talked about a lot but the what it's going to do for comedians it's just really i think it's 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 opened up a pandora's box here of of karens at comedy shows yep totally well comedians will reign supreme i i fully trust that i fully Shut trust that chris rock well chris rock's gonna have years of content based on this and he can he can make will smith uh look like an absolute idiot for a long time to come you know in a million different hey, ways imagine so. you're at the chris rock show tonight he comes on stage the whole place fucking 20 minutes standing ovation guaranteed sure. guaranteed that's going to be powerful well i mean i really wish that chris had the presence of mind to just start riffing like he would a heckler at a normal comedy show he would absolutely rip apart right so what if he just said that to will like oh will just slapped the crap out of me thank god it wasn't jada who slapped me otherwise i'd be laying down you know or just anything yeah <laughs> like yeah. you know it, he, he he there's tons of jokes that could be made the one about the oscar looking like jada that's an amazing one but he didn't have the presence of mind well understandably plus, i so. think if he did that it, like in in many ways the fact that he was shaken that it was obvious that everyone was like oh my god our jaws are agape here this is you know what i mean like if he would have been able to just riff it would have lost some of the power i think you know like the fact that it was so real and so raw and that he was actually stumbling added yeah. to the weight of how serious this was totally totally i would have loved to see will though in that state of just seeing red if chris just doubles down and just starts berating him i mean what does will do at that point he would just melt down we would see him disintegrate you know like that's kind of what you want to see happen to the bully in the moment. But I agree with you. It probably wouldn't be the best thing. He would have rushed the stage and tackled. You would have seen Jason Momoa jumping in there to, to help out Chris. There are some, a lot of different takes on this and everybody's probably read or seen most of them. But one of the interesting ones that I saw the day after was of this, um, basically like Don Rickles, who is the king of put down comedy and who literally ripped the living shit out of President Reagan at his inauguration party like, and you know, I've seen Rickles actually live in Vegas. That's how old I am. And 
I mean, you know, I don't know, it's just like Don Rickles rolling over in his grave. You know, George Carlin. Like, well, that's the thing. It wasn't even an Richard offensive Pryor. joke. I know. The it joke. Was, it was like a the joke was so joke. tame. And I've heard, it, and I don't know if it's true, but he didn't even know about the medical condition. He was literally almost. It was more of a play on the GI Jane franchise, for sure. That didn't for even sure. exist than anything else. It was not an alopecia joke. No, it was not an alopecia joke. And he no. started it by saying, "Jada, I love you." Can't wait to see you in GI Jane too. So it was a it was a soft setup. It was not offensive. Yeah, it was insane. So all right, well back back to Sailor Karen. Oh yes. Um, I did not feel the same way about her. To me, that was easy just to laugh at. She doesn't need my forgiveness. She's clueless. It's just, I mean, I I was just that one's easy for me to laugh at, and I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was it was pure comedy to me. Yeah. And the people that were being insulted by her were not insulted either. They were just laughing. They're like, this is incredible. They had the laugh. They laughed for the rest of the day. Sailor Karen spelled with three K's. Like K-K-K-A-R-E-N-S. I don't know. Why? Is that a racist thing? (laughs) What do you mean? Ken and Karen spelled with three K's. Oh, uh, uh. I don't know. I don't know. Silly thing that came to my mind. Well, uh, good show, Scott. Uh, we didn't mention, I don't believe, but Neat Essentials, of course, has been with us for a long time. Um, Neat Essentials wetsuits. There's the puffer jacket right there. So Neat Essentials USA for all your outerwear and surf needs. Keep you warm no matter where you're at. Absolutely. And real quick, let me do a plug for the California Gold Surf Auction. Um, the bidding begins April 15th in two short weeks, and it ends April 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we have over 60 incredible historic and culturally relevant lots, surfboards and ephemera. And um, oh, wow, we got some cool stuff, so looking forward to it. Awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, look, until next time, David. Adios and aloha. I've been warped by the rain, driven by the snow. I'm drunk and dirty, don't you know, and I'm still willing and I was out on the road late at night I seen my pretty Alice in every headlight Alice Dallas Alice and I've been from Tucson to Tucum Carry to Hatchapita Tonabah driven every kind of rig that's ever been made So I wouldn't get weighed And if you give me Weed White sand wine And you show me a sign I'll be willing To be the wind, robbed by the sleet, had my head stoved in, but I'm still on my feet, and I'm still 
smuggled some smokes and folks from Mexico Baked by the sun every time I go to Mexico And I'm still And I've been from Tucson to Tucumcari To Hatchapita, Tonopah Driven every kind of rig that's ever been made Driven the back road so I wouldn't get way Show me up.